Hi, this is Jim Brangenberg, the host of the I Work For Him radio show. Thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast, where we discuss our workplace as our mission field. The live version of our show can be heard each weekday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern on AM 570 and 910 WTBN, locally in the Tampa Bay area, and worldwide on the web at letstalkfaith.com or iHeartRadio. Our website, iWorkForHim.com, has great resources on how you can learn about how your workplace can be your mission field. And also check out the sponsors that bring you the radio show each and every day. And while you're there on I Work For Him, click on the I Work For Him Nation flag and prayerfully consider joining the I Work For Him Nation. Join thousands around the globe praying for their coworkers and employees by name each and every day. That's IWorkForHim.com, IWork, the number four, Him.com. Remember, your workplace is your mission field, and in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Thanks again for listening. I hope this broadcast will make an impact on your life so that you'll never look at your workplace the same again. Let's get to today's show. You've tuned into the fastest one hour in Christian talk radio. You know, we're so grateful that you're tuning into I Work For Him on a daily basis. And today we're talking about how in the world we, we, we get so preoccupied in our relationships where, I don't know, Martha, help me figure out, we're, we're so worried about what everybody else does in relationships instead of focusing on our, our issues. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, so, so many times we're we are always looking at other people and saying, man, if they would just be different, if they would do this, if they would do that, then everything would be great. And the reality is we often are the one that is, uh, you know, making a big impact in how the relationship is going. Well, what's hilarious is this has been an issue, obviously, for 2,000 years because <laughs> Jesus was talking about this back in Matthew 7.35, I think it was. I was writing about it today in my blog that, you know, he said, you know, when you notice a splinter in your, why, no, why do you worry about the splinter in your brother's eyes when you got a pole sticking out of your own? Depends on which translation. <laughs> that would be could the be Jim Brangenberg translation. Could be a board. <laughs> I like to call it a telephone pole. Yeah. But we are so, and Martha and I, as we talk with married couples, we say, listen, you want your marriage to be awesome? Worry about your own issues. Yeah. And I think that this really, I know that this relates really heavily to the workplace too, because so many times the same attitudes fall into our workplace where either our boss, a coworker, a customer, a client, a vendor, whatever they might be, we're looking at them and saying, you know what, if you would just do this differently or act differently in this way or do this or do that, things would be better around the office or in the workplace. And, and there's a whole lot more to it than that. I mean, it is, it, you know, life is complicated and, and it, people, <laughs> that's an understatement. People can be difficult. And, you know, I know that occasionally I can be difficult and I'm sure there's things you're concerned that <laughs> you'd like me to fix. But the issue is I'm supposed to be working on, I'm supposed to be allowing the Lord to work in my life while the Lord is working on your life. And if we both would focus on our relationship with him, our relationship gets better. And right. so that's where we're supposed to be focusing, and yet we find ourselves so worried about other people's issues. Yeah, and so I'm really excited that we're going to delve into that in greater you know, aspects today with an author who's written a book about that very topic from a marriage perspective. But yet again, there are so many things we can learn every day. Well, when we come back from the break, we're talking today with Rhonda Stoppy about her book, If My Husband Would Change, I'd Be Happy and other myths wives believe. So that's going to be an incredible conversation. But Martha, I think we should invite people to join us on social media. Sure. What do you want them to do? 
I don't know. You want them to, you mean to come into Facebook? You guys can like us. We are out there. We would love to get some interaction with you, whether it's through comments on posts that um, we post every day about the show that's coming up. In case you didn't know that, that's a great way to know what's going to be on live at three o'clock every day is to follow us on Facebook so that you can plan ahead to make sure that you don't miss the show. And if you miss a show, out there on Facebook, we always post within about 15 or 20 minutes of the most mm-hmm. days, 15 or 20 minutes, we've got the podcast out there posted. We do. And we do. so that really makes a difference as well. You can get a whole, you can track us anytime, day or night. You can listen to us on the radio. You can listen to us on iHeartRadio. Look, just look for Faith Talk 570. You can listen to, listen to us on TuneIn. You can listen to our podcast on iTunes. There are so many ways. different ways. And hopefully in 2017, we're going to be better at tweeting. Oh, that's like a New Year's resolution? Sure. Martha, let's introduce our guest today. Yeah, so today on the show, we have Rhonda Stoppy. Rhonda, we want to welcome you on the I Work For Him radio program. Thanks. I'm real excited to be on your show. You're in Tampa, Florida, right? That's, that's correct. correct. We're I'm every day is beautiful. All right. Well, we're coast to coast today then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we're coast to coast most days, but it's very nice having a having a listener and a caller from California. Rhonda, we always start off every show with a question, just delving into people's walk with the Lord. So as you've paid attention to the, our Heavenly Father and how he's gotten involved in the intimate details in your life, can you share a time from the last few weeks or months where you saw God get involved in your life in one of those intimate details? You know, one of my favorite stories, and we just retold it, my husband and I had some friends that we hadn't seen in 20 years when we were ministering together in uh, Silicon Valley in California when our kids were all little, and they are now in a ministry. um, It's really kind of a cool job. He's a chaplain for uh, the motorcycle racing industry, so my husband's a little envious of of his mission field. So they came to visit, and they were just asking, you know, what's been going on in the last, you know, 20 plus years of your life? When we met them, um, when we knew them, we had bought a house out in the middle of nowhere, up above um, Silicon Valley in the Bay Area of, of Northern California. My husband always had a dream to be debt-free. He always wanted to have a house in the country. And I'm like, yeah, baby, your dream's my dream. Charge it, whatever, you know. <laughs> and then one day he found this property in the middle of nowhere. It had a little house on it. And I saw I was holding Steve's dream in the palm of my hand, and I just couldn't say no. And backing up a little bit, the church that we had been in with this friend who's involved, who's the chaplain, um, my husband had been offered a full-time position at that church at that time when we were all young. And we had been praying for an opportunity to serve God in full-time ministry. My husband was in construction at the time. And we were excited about the offer, but then we realized that we were living a lifestyle. There was no way we could take the position because of our debt. Mm -hmm. So that's when we sold everything. We bought this ranch in the middle of nowhere. And then there's a long story in between, but, but 25, 28 years later, my husband is now pastoring a small church in a town called Patterson that's down the backside of the canyon that we live in. And when they hired my husband, he's been there 17 years now, we didn't even know the town of Patterson existed. And when they <laughs> hired him, they offered him salary that we never could have afforded to pay rent or uh, a mortgage payment. 
in California on the salary that they were able to offer. The church was real small at the time. But because 10 years prior to that, my husband had had this longing to be debt-free, um, God was making a way for us to live in a manner that we could take this job. Uh, and I tell the story, and if my husband would change, I'd be happy. We bought this house. It was a little cottage covered with snow, super excited. And then we went back after it closed escrow and the snow had melted and we bought a shack. It had all the frosting was gone. <laughs> and I'm like, what? I'm like crying. My husband's like laughing. I'm like, it's not funny. Uh, did my entire, um, uh, we had two kids at the time. I ended up with a surprise pregnancy. Did the whole pregnancy on a sofa bed in the house uh, while he was adding on. You know, he was in construction, so he's adding on to the house. And uh, we could have had a show. Back then, people didn't, they thought we were crazy. Now, we, we would have a show about yeah. the crazy <laughs> stuff. <laughs> a reality show. <laughs> but God was intimately involved in those finite details way back then, putting in my husband's heart a longing to be debt-free for a ministry that God had planned for us before the foundations of this world. And I love, you know, even as Steve rehearsed that story to Mark and Don, the friends of ours, the other day, just seeing my husband's face, providence and sovereignty, as he just nudges you this way and nudges you that. Huh. And, and it's so true. We, our story is very similar in that we made a decision in 1999, that we wanted to be able to say yes to the Lord whenever he called us, and we want to be debt-free. We didn't want debt to get in our way, and that was one of the, that's one of the ways we're on the radio, is because uh-huh. we made that decision in 99, the exact same decision you and your husband made. Hey, we're going to be debt-free, so when the Lord calls us, we're ready to go. And right, and, what, and it's not an easy decision to make. I mean, I know people listening are like, you know, oh yeah, let's do that too. It's a sacrifice, and we we actually lived on a generator for two years. We had no power on this property. We had to bring <laughs> power in. I mean, it was crazy. We had I bought a butane curling iron in the '80s. I know that saved our marriage. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Rhonda wrote a book that we all need to learn because. So many people enter into marriage, well, you know, I'm going to get into marriage and I'm going to fix my husband. I'm going to fix my wife. Rhonda wrote a book about it, but really what the truth of it is, well, I don't want to give that away. Rhonda Stoppy, welcome back to I Work For Him. (laughs) Thanks. It's good to be back. You know, this book came as a result of my husband and I. Uh, My husband's a pastor. We were in youth ministry for 18 years. He's been a pastor. It'll be 17 years um, this uh, January. And we do biblical marriage counseling. And over and over again, we often find that when a couple can get, you know, a wife can get her husband to come through the door of my husband's office, she's secretly thinking, oh, good, finally we're going to fix him, and now I'm going to be happy. <laughs> and, uh, and, and they really think that the, that the answer lies in him becoming all that she had hoped that he would be. And I know for myself, when uh, Steve and I just celebrated our 35th wedding anniversary, when we got married back in the 80s, and I had this big, huge white hat and veil on, I sauntered oh, yeah. down the aisle. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, I had the same thing. <laughs> so, let me just tell you, anyone who's younger and you haven't gotten married yet, go traditional, because one day those pictures will haunt you. <laughs> yes. Amen. My sleeves went up past my ears. So. I had a top hat on. Oh, I had a top hat and a cane. Come on. <laughs> And my and my husband had on a white tux and tails, and and it was, mm-hmm. he looked awesome. Let me just tell you. Mm-hmm. But when I walked down that aisle, I knew the wife I was going to be. She was awesome. She was going to be his dearest, closest friend, his confidant, his encourager. He was going to have sex every day of the week till the day he dies. I knew the wife I meant to be. And then after we got married, we had an amazing honeymoon, and I actually tell fun stories about our honeymoon in yes. my book. If my husband would change, I'd be happy. And then. As life settled in, we both were working full-time, and our life became about just getting the job done, getting our work done, coming home, taking care of the house. Weekends used to be dating, 
and having fun. And now all of a sudden our weekends were about keeping up the house and doing housework and doing laundry. He was in construction, so his clothes were super dirty. And I was, you know, committed. He was never going to wear the same pair of jeans twice in a week. And I was like, well, no, I'd be like, okay, you can wear those a few more days. <laughs> Back then I was, you know, going to be super white while I was trying to work full time. And I found I started resenting him. I remember one day in the kitchen, I was having to defrost a refrigerator, the freezer, which I know anyone who's younger is like, where? Was she a pioneer? Was she born? It was <laughs> the 1900s, ladies. Yeah. And I think we had bought a used refrigerator, and so this thing didn't defrost itself, which I had never even heard of that before. So as I'm chiseling the bacon out of the freezer with an ice pick and using the blow dryer to get it to, you know, all that ice to come out... I hear my husband in the garage, and he's cracking up with his brother. They're working on my car, doing whatever, and he's having fun. And I remember feeling resentment. I remember thinking, oh, yeah, you get to have fun. My life's all about work. And it scared me because I come from a long line of of marriages that didn't survive, that didn't make it. And I know that one of the reasons is just that that root of bitterness or that discontentment that happens in in the wife. So because Steve and I were working in youth ministry at the time, I looked around at some of the marriages that I wanted to emulate, some of the husbands and wives that, you know, laughed out loud at each other's jokes still and held hands when they were walking into church and their kids wanted to be around them. And I went to those women and I became friends with them. I started going to Bible study with them. And as I grew in the Word, as I grew walking in a relationship with these women, um, they were genuine. They weren't perfect. They were honest about the struggles they had had. But, you know, Titus 2 calls the older women to teach the younger how to love their husbands, which means to be a friend to him, and how to love their children. And that's really God's um, mentoring program, or that's his uh, journeyman right. teaching the apprentice. And yet, I find wherever I go, I speak at women's events all over, and women will say to me, I don't have a godly mentor in my life. And it's sad, but true. Women that are my age, I'm 55 years old, um, we're out collecting seashells by the seashore, or it's me time now, or maybe we didn't do it perfectly, so we don't think we have anything to offer. And that's really one of the reasons that I wrote, if my husband would change, I'd be happy and other myths wives believe. I also wrote a book called Moms Raising Sons to Be Men for the same purpose, to be a personal mentor, to have, in the way that I talk, you know, I, women all the time are like, well, I'm not a reader. And I'm like, well, you read Facebook all day long. So you're a reader. We've established you read. You just don't want to read a book. <laughs> right. Right. So I try to write like as if I'm just sitting across from a good friend with a cup of coffee, you know, sharing my own story. If my husband is filled with love stories that just give yeah. really great encouragement and inspiration uh, and just lots of, uh, you know, unpacking the myths that wives believe about marriage. And I love that. And that's one of the things. So I just want to remind our listeners who we're li- talking to today is Rhonda Stoppy, and she's written the book, If My Husband Would Change, I'd Be Happy, and Other Myths That Wives Believe. And Rhonda, one of the things that I really keyed in on was this whole idea of um, older women in our lives. And because that is something that is so missing from our culture. So how did, I'm curious, if, do you have any way of identifying like what drew you to understand that you need needed that in your life or what, I mean, or attribute that to the Holy Spirit that he really led you in that direction? Well, I think I, I, was, I knew it was lacking, and I knew okay. that I didn't have a good example to see in my life. My husband's mother and, and his parents had an amazing marriage, but she had Alzheimer's. And mm. so uh, this wealth of resource of this woman who taught me about hospitality and taught me so much when Steve and I were dating, she was flipping, oh, I'm going to cry. 
she was wonderful mm-hmm. and she was slipping away from our family. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I had watched her mentor young women and teach them. And I knew that that was the key. Uh, and the women that I reached out to, I mean, Steve and I went on vacation with these families before we even had children. I wanted yeah. to see them nurturing and loving each other. And and what I find women that are my age, they think they don't have anything to offer. Or you'll say you'll mentor someone, and so you go have coffee with a young woman, and she dumps on you how hard her life is, and you listen, and you go, oh, I'm sorry, and you pray with her, and she leaves, and you feel like it wasn't at all productive, and it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons in the back of each chapter, I have a thinking it through and living it out section in all of my books. Yes. So for women that say, you know, come to you, I'll have women as a pastor's wife come to me and say, hey, I want you to mentor me. And I will take them. I just finished my Sunday school class. I took them through if my husband would change, I'd be happy awesome. and give them assignments. Read the mm-hmm. chapter. Let's talk about it together. So for someone who doesn't think they have a lot to offer, starting there, reading the book together, and then honestly, if a young woman says, well, I didn't read it, but I still want to meet with you, you have two choices. You either read it with them when you get together, or you say, how about you read it, and then we'll get together next week. And you keep it very focused, because we're all very busy. And sometimes I think when we think as older women, if I tell a younger woman I'm going to mentor her, that means I'm going to babysit her children so she can go out with her friends, or I'm going to, you know, do things that are just not what I'm really wanting to do. I want to pour into her to guide her towards a no-regrets life. And that's my brand, the No Regrets Woman, because I help women build no-regrets lives by basing what God has called them to, the ministry of motherhood, the ministry of marriage, their ministry that He's called them to on the sound doctrine of the Word of God, not on what we feel, not on what we think, because our emotions, let's be honest, ladies, every 28 days, we don't even know who we are. (laughs) And when we're trying to make lifelong decisions, sometimes it's we need those older women in our lives that are not emotionally involved, that can step back and offer truth. And that's what I really try to do with the pages of, of If My Husband Would Change, I'd Be Happy. And I and I will attest to the fact that your writing style is so great to read. And you, I, I love the way you said that. If you read Facebook, you can read a book. And that you really, like even in just sharing some of the stories you've shared already on the show, those are stories I read in your book and felt like I was living that with you and kind of just following along. So again, um, for our listeners, we are talking with Rhonda Stoppy, and she's written, If My Husband Would Change, I'd Be Happy, and Other Myths That Wives Believe. And you your, um, let's, I want to tell everybody your website is no regrets women woman.com no regrets woman.com and really that ties into the question that you ask uh, tell us to ask ourselves and that is measuring myself against the kind of wife I meant to be and being the kind that your husband had hoped you would be and looking in hindsight and saying I don't want to have regrets I don't want to get to the end and say I should have done this or I should have done that and so I that tie that really resonated for me because um that I'm I would never I don't want to look back and say I wish I, yes. I would have and so I think that that's really what spoke to me through your whole book And that's my heart. My husband and I do a No Regrets Marriage Conference, and we did one recently, and I had the women in the room, and just, you know, when you start talking about, remember the wife you meant to be, tears begin to fall, and they can't even look you in the eye because they know... I'm so far from the wife I meant to be. We're tired. I mean, a lot of women are working full-time, trying to raise their families, trying to be involved in church, taking their kids to soccer and dance and every other thing in the world that there is available. Um, we're, we're, We're so captivated by activity, and the captivity of activity 
snatches from us that firm foundation built on the Word of God. I love when Jesus told the story of the wise man that built his house on the rock and the foolish that built his house on the sand. We all know that story. The rains came down, the floods came up, and the house on the sand went smack. Mm -hmm. But most of us are building on our marriages and our families on sand because we're so busy. We may read a quick devotional, may listen to something, you know, uh, if we get a chance on our lunch break, but these women that mentored me, what they did was they drew me to say, you cannot do this ministry alone. You'll mess it up. You will have regrets. But if the Word of God dwells in you richly, if you feast on the Word of God, what will come out of you is His truth to guide your children towards no regrets, to build a marriage that when you and your husband are sitting there by yourselves and the kids are all grown, you will be so delighted that you still have a relationship with each other and you'll have no regrets. There's a way that seems right unto man, and in the end there lies destruction, and that's from Proverbs. That's, that's what we live most of us. It seems right to get all the laundry done and to do all the work. And I can't go to church on Sunday because my kid has soccer and, you know, all those things that keep us so busy. And they're good things, but they're stealing from us. You know, God said, just hush now, be still and know that I am God. Mm-hmm. And if we're not teaching our kids that that's the source of my strength, they're going to just be one more generation of just that crazy activity of survival instead of letting God do through us what He called us to do before the foundations of this world. And as He does it through us, there won't be any regret. That's exactly right. And the what a blessing that you had those mentors in your life that now so many women across the country and around the world are reaping the benefits of because you've put it down into paper so that and in conferences that people can learn from. Well, and that's something we talk about all the time, Martha, where everybody needs a Paul in their life, everybody needs a Barnabas in mm-hmm. their life, and everybody needs a Timothy in their life because everybody needs a mentor. Everybody needs somebody pouring into them. Everybody needs an encourager, and everybody should be discipling or mentoring somebody else. Now, Rhonda, I've been joking about what was wrong with your husband. You had to write this book that drove you to that point where you're like, if he just changed. But I understand because Martha and I are in, we've done a lot of marriage mentoring. We've heard a million times a couple, somebody from a couple, one side of the couple would come and say, if, you know, my husband or my wife, they were this, they have this problem, this problem, this, but they would just fix this. Everything would be great. We've heard it a million times. But what I love the fact is that the two of you, your husband got involved in writing this, in, involved in the writing of this book. How did that work? Well, first of all, I have to have a chapter turned into my editor, and I'm writing a book about not nagging your husband, and I'm waiting for him to sort of turn in his prose from a husband's <laughs> perspective part. Of course. So there was a learning, a learning curve. I'm like, baby, I know you're busy, but I need your chapter. <laughs> and I don't want to nag you. <laughs> exactly. Help me out. But he did such a great job because he understood – uh, his role in writing this book was to, he had to read my portion and then write his perspective from that. And one of the things, all through the book, there's different love stories, different stories and, and for perspective. And I talk about one of the myths that wives believe is I'll respect him when he earns my respect. And the mm-hmm. story that I tell in there is one of David and Michael in, in Samuel. I think it's in Second uh, Samuel. Mm-hmm. Remember when David was dancing through the streets of, uh, of Jerusalem? He was ordained, finally going to be king after all those years, 17 years of running from Saul, and finally he's anointed king, and he dances with all his might. And where is his wife? She's not dancing in the streets with him. She's up in the window watching. And then the Bible says that he goes and he makes a sacrifice, and all the town goes with him. 
and they sacrifice to the Lord, and they have this big celebration. And where is Michael? She's not with him. She's at home. And then he finally walks in the door, and Samuel says, to bless his household. I mean, I can just see Sam, um, David walking, and baby, your king is home, expecting the biggest kiss of all time. And she blasts him. Oh, mm-hmm. how glorious was the king today, dancing in his underwear in front of all the women, basically, is what she says to him. And she deflates him. In a moment, everything changed for him. And I, what I like about that story, and, I, and it really bothered me, and I asked Steve, give me some insights into what was going on in this story. So, well, first of all, uh, Michael failed to see the big picture. She was so concerned about her own reputation that her husband was not acting royally as he was dancing with all his might. And I love David's response because he said, it wasn't for you that I danced. It was before the Lord. And I will become even more undignified than this. And, you know, the Bible continues to say that in that story of Michael and David, that she never uh, conceived children with David from that point on. And we don't know if that's because he refused to go into her as his wife or if God closed her womb. We don't know what it was, but all we know is that there was a distance between her and her husband after she had disrespected him so painfully. And then I take that in the book and go on. It's like we women forget the big picture. When our husbands are going out and they're slaying giants for us, they're keeping their eyes only for us, they're coming home every night, uh, you know, maybe he landed a deal at work, maybe he put up a big wall, you know, my husband's in construction, and I started staying home with my children once I had babies, so I'm like in the same yoga pants for the last three days, you know, and he's walking in the door, and, and you blast him, you know, you didn't take the garbage out, and what are the neighbors going to think of, you know, you're lazy or whatever, and he was going to come home and tell you all about this great deal he landed or some success he had in the day deflates him. He just goes over and grabs the remote and starts watching TV. And I think we don't realize how much our husbands long for respect. So Steve read that chapter, and then this is what he said in his his husband's perspective. Your husband longs to be respected by you. There's a good chance he married you because he found satisfaction in the way you showed him honor. My question to you is this, how are you doing now? When we were newly wed, Rhonda did not always recognize how important her respect was to me. When she talked to me as if she were my mother, I would inadvertently discount whatever she was saying. I didn't mean to disregard her. I think it was just subconscious defense mechanism. Have you ever observed your husband shutting you down when you try to, quote, help him? accomplish a task, he may be feeling disrespected. And then Steve goes on about, I finally had an aha moment when my constant reminding him of responsibilities was making him feel disrespected. And what I love about Steve's uh, portion of the book is wives are reading that to their husbands, and the husbands are going, that's exactly how I feel. Because there's a lot of areas husbands don't want to walk on those eggshells. They don't want to say those things because they don't want to start a fight or they don't even know how to put it into words. And I'm finding, I speak at homeschool conventions and different events all over, and I'm seeing men walk by, chuckle at the title of my book, has a little princess and a frog on the front, you know, tongue-in-cheek, if my husband would change, I'd be happy. They pick it up, they thumb through it, and they buy it every time. Because they know I'm not the source to my wife's happiness. I just don't know what to do about it. And uh, the, the key of the book, if I can let you in on a little secret, is, ladies, we were not created to find our satisfaction and our completeness in another person. God created us to long for a relationship. He created us to be loved for who we are, and we ache for that, but it was in our relationship with our Creator. And sin in the garden stole that away. Remember when Adam and Eve were in the garden, they're hiding from from God when He comes to walk with them in the cool of the day after they sinned? And He's like, hey, where are you guys? He knew they were hiding. He wanted them to see how their sin had separated them from Him. 
We're talking today with, I got to, I got to make sure everybody knows who we're talking today. We're talking with Rhonda Stoppy today about her book. If my husband would change, I'd be happy and other myths wives believe. And and Rhonda, you've done such a great job, but I always like to make sure people know because there's so much great stuff coming out of you that I want to make sure people know what we're talking about today. Every day, every Tuesday, Martha and I like to focus on marriage and relationship issues because if we can get a good handle on how to have positive relationships, it really makes an impact on our workplace, our neighborhood, our church place place. That's exactly right. And so one of the things that I love is this is such a great resource. Number one, you trick the person who picks it up in a sense with the title <laughs> because you know you think you're picking it up so that you can learn how to get your husband to change. And in as a matter of fact, the key is really in how our relationship with the Lord. And that's one of the things that really penetrated my heart. And I want to read this because it's from the book and it says the key to having an all out love for your husband and experiencing fulfillment in your marriage does not lie in how well your husband measures up to your expectations, but in how well you love God. And Mm -hmm. to me, that was so, it just, it pierced my heart in a good way mm-hmm. because it took it from looking outward to looking at what what am, what is between me and the Lord and him working out the details between me and my husband. Mm-hmm. And so I love the fact and I and I say that you know tongue in cheek that it you know tr- it's tricking but it's true because it was it's really like all about our relationship with our Heavenly Father. And I love the way that you interweave that into all of the different myths that you bring up. And so um, one of the things that I would love to is for you to just maybe touch on some of the other myths that you talk about in the book that people can learn from. And again, we just want people to be intrigued to read your book and to learn for themselves God's plan because you have scripture sprinkled everywhere. Not even sprinkled. It's more than sprinkled throughout the book. The One of the myths that women often believe is, I'd be happier if I were married to someone else. You know, that high school boyfriend that you had mm-hmm. that found you on Facebook and he's telling you, you haven't changed a bit. And, he's, you know, you start having this emotional affair over the Internet while his wife is sleeping in the other room. He's not a good guy. He is seducing you into right. an affair. And yet we go, oh, that's the one I should have married. And the truth is that God created us to long to be significant and to to be loved. But when we don't find that significance in our relationship with Him, we kind of move into this place of self-love, of a deserving, I am entitled to be happy, I am entitled to be treated a certain way, and when we are focused on our self-worship in that state of self-love, we're susceptible to think that we deserve to be happy, and then Satan can lie to us to tell us that we'd be happier with someone else. Another myth, all he wants is sex when you long for romance. And I'll tell you a couple things real quick. There's a, um, if you read the book, there's a, a chapter in there that talks about that. And then it refers you to an ebook I've written called A Christian Woman's Guide to Great Sex in Marriage. And that's available on Amazon. Uh, but this one talks about when women think that when husbands want sex, that it's just a, a physical need that he has, we are really missing the true ministry that God has given to us as wives to minister to our husband's deepest and emotional needs. I don't think women realize that men, uh, they struggle with feelings of inadequacy and loneliness. And when, they're, when their wife finds them sexually desirable and he feels loved for who he is, they are filled with a sense of strength and well-being and confidence. In fact, when husbands say that they are happier or they feel better about life after they have made love to their wives, wives would be understanding that's the ministry God has given you 
to give him an encouragement that only you can give. It's saying, I believe in you. I'm here for you. And uh, again, my husband wrote a great uh, quote from uh, a husband's perspective. Basically, he said, Husbands who are uh, sexually satisfied with their wives are deeply in love with their wives. And Mm. we meet Christian couples all the time that that's the struggle. The wives are like, I'm tired. If one more person touches me, you know, and we we think we want to connect through conversation. And because that's how most of us women are, if our husband walked in the door for two weeks and didn't talk to us, we would feel rejected and alone in the same way. I love that that you had that little, um, I actually put a tag on that to bring that up today, page 109. It says, your husband's God-given need to connect with you physically means just as much to him as good communication means to you. Mm -hmm. And when you put that in perspective, if a woman really could understand that, it changes everything. If a woman could just understand her husband, <laughs> everything would be good. Well, there you, there's that too. But we, we, you know, when we, when you put it in terms of communication for what mm-hmm. our needs are and realize that, you know, the world doesn't revolve around just our needs. But right. um, what And husbands are remarkably simple. I mean, we're fairly simple. Okay, I'm lying. <laughs> but, but, we but quiet, didn't we? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Really? Where are you going to go with that, Jim? <laughs> First time you guys have both got quiet. Let me get a word in edgewise. But it, it, it really, it, it really is, it really is not true that men are very complicated. I convinced Martha of that years ago because I'm extraordinarily complicated. But I think it's really important, Rhonda. We let people know how to get a hold of your book. We're talking today with Rhonda Stoppy about her book, brand new book. It's out. If my husband would change, I'd be happy. And other myths wise believe. Rhonda, where can people get your book? If you go to my website, noregretswoman.com, and you click on books, all of the books that I've written are there. If My Husband Would Change, Mom's Raising Sons, A Christian Woman's Guide to Great Sex. I also wrote a woman's devotional for pastors well called I Sleep with the Pastor. They're all available on Amazon, christianbook.com as well. One note. On the, if you click on If My Husband Would Change, I'd Be Happy on my website, I actually do a little teaching excerpt audio through each chapter that you can listen to, and it's free. You can get a better feel of uh, the love stories that are in the book and some idea of what the book is about. Um, it's a super, a super fun resource to click through. Mm-hmm. I want to hit on, you said something a lot earlier about you guys, you and your husband do a No Regret Weekend. That's your no marriage regrets retreat. marriage conference. No mm-hmm. regret conference. marriage conference. So that sounds awesome. There's not a near enough marriage retreats, marriage conferences out there. People and people aren't investing near enough in their marriages. But a lot of times they don't have a lot of resources. Talk to us about that. How do people get involved in the No Regrets Marriage Conference? You contact me through NoRegretsWoman.com and you bring it to your church or your venue, uh, and we are happy to go. We have a few of them coming up. Um, February is always a big month. Everybody wants to talk about marriage, so we have some <laughs> coming up then. But, you know, my husband's just a real guy. I mean, he was in construction for years. He went to he went to uh, Bible college in, in Colorado in Denver. In fact, I didn't meet him until he came home from school. And I married a guy in construction, and and God has just transformed our lives to just be all about ministry. And what I love about Steve's ministry, when he gets the guys in the room, he's like, how many of you are here because you want to be? No hands go up. How many of you are here because your wife made you? All their hands go up. He's like, I get it. I, I know where you're coming from. And he connects with them in a real way. Uh, wives are always willing to go to a marriage conference, always willing to go to something that's going to help them better their marriages. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just a one evening. It's not a whole weekend because we know a lot of times it's hard to get away, especially if you have kids or husbands won't take the whole weekend away, but they'll go one evening. And mm-hmm. so, uh, yeah, it's a, if you want to contact me, go through noregretswoman.com through the contact 
and my booking manager will get back to you. Well, and you will get husbands to go if you tell them you're going to say what you just said about sex. I mean, hello. You say, that's <laughs> a, you'll get men there if you say, listen, we're going to talk to your wives about how important sex is to you. You need to come and hear this. That'll be a draw. You'll never have a problem filling a marriage retreat up. I mean, never. Ever. The wives will stay home, though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you could, well, you could say you could talk, you could talk both sides of it. I'm just talking about how you could draw the man in. That it's would great. be appealing. That's right. Now, Rhonda, the Lord allowed some pretty significant adversity in your marriage when your husband had an accident. Talk about that. And we've got about three minutes left, so just keep that in mind. But how did that impact your marriage? And how did it make it stronger? I'll tell the story real quick. He was on a dirt bike weekend, get away with some men from our church. He shattered his hip, went over the handlebar. Couldn't, they took him seven hours to rescue him. He was in traction, had surgery. At the, at the same time that that was all going on, I just sat at his bedside. At, we were at Stanford Hospital in, in uh, Palo Alto. Uh, our home was getting colder and colder. It's in the mountains, and we didn't realize that the pipes were freezing. So my 18-year-old son and my 16-year-old daughter came home one night. The pipes had burst, and 5,000 gallons of water had dumped into our home. And mm. all of these things were going on, um, and all of the, the Word of God that kept whispering to my heart was Nehemiah, uh, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And every time I would think of that scripture, I would fight for joy. And there was a man that was visiting the church that came to visit. My husband actually led him to the Lord. And the Sunday that we went back to church after it had been about three or four months of my husband recovering from his shattered hip, this new believer handed me this little card, and in it was one of those little stone chiseled, the joy of the Lord is your strength. I had told no one that that was the Word of God that was getting me through that struggle. Uh, and, you know, when, when when trials come, we need to remember sometimes our trials are not all about us. They're what God is using even to show those around us, especially our children, that what we say we believe about God is genuinely true. I think sometimes we get so self-focused when a trial happens that we don't realize God may be using that very thing orchestrating it, if you will, to draw to our Savior, our children. So we have a choice to make. We either fight for joy, keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, wrestle with those fears and those anxieties, and take those thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ, teaching our kids how to walk through trials, and teaching our kids that God is the answer for all issues of life. You got and that was really your story with chapter 10, where it talked about the myth that my marriage would be better if bad things would stop happening. Right. And a lot of times you meet people that their life falls apart when there's trials. Instead of taking your focus off of that, if we really know God's character, and that's what these older women had taught me as I was being transformed by truth and learning to understand God's character, when trials came, just like they came for all of those accounts of stories in Scripture, God filtered those through His fingers for a purpose. Can I trust Him? Can I choose to trust him instead of being so fearful or maybe resentful towards God that he allowed it to happen? Can I in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you? What a thing to teach your kids when they're in the middle of watching you walk through that trial. Oh, and to let that adversity shape your character from who you are to who God can use more effectively. So as you guys head into year 36 of your marriage and you head into this more in the ministry, you guys have seen a lot. How I mean, are the next 30 years of marriage ahead yet? Do they look brighter than the last 35? What oh, do you think? super fun. We just took our motorcycle to Seattle and caught a cruise ship to Alaska. Uh, that was celebrating. Uh, I had to stop. Harvest House is my publisher. They're in Oregon, and we signed a contract for my next book for them. is called Love Stories of the Redeemed. Super excited about it. It'll come out in January 2018. 
And, uh, yeah, we're having a blast. Uh, if I can tell you real quick, eight things I learned from happily married couples. Have realistic expectations. Your husband's not like you. Think the best about your husband. Be kind to one another. Refuse to fantasize about being with someone else. Your husband's not your enemy. Love Christ more than you love your husband. Determine that divorce will never be an option. Those are the things I learned from happily married couples that I put in the book, and I'm hoping God will take his word wherever he would have it go through the pages of this book. Rhonda Stoppy, thank you so much for being on I Work For Him today. Thank you so much for sharing your book. If my husband would change, I'd be happy. We're so thank grateful you. to have you on. Thank you, Rhonda. I appreciate it. And NoRegretsWoman.com, if you don't know Jesus, contact me, and I'll send you a, an article to explain how to have a relationship with him. I love it. Thanks a lot, Rhonda. Thank no you. NoRegretsWoman.com, NoRegretsWoman.com. You know, Martha, that was a great conversation and a great reminder, and she spotted off those those eight ways at the end of the end of the show, we got to get those. I got to rewrite those down and post yes. those again. Those are she said those really fast because they were all things we say all the time. Yeah. But really, the focus of getting husbands and wives to 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 really looking at really focusing on their loving of God, their relationship with God, that really starts to solve a lot of problems. It really does, and that just goes back to the triangle. If we're both growing closer to the Lord, then we grow closer to each other. You've been listening to I Work For Him together on Tuesdays with Jim and Martha Brangenbergs. We talk with Rhonda Stoppy today about if my husband would change, I'd be happy. You can find out more about Rhonda at noregretswoman.com. That's noregretswoman.com. We invite you to do that. Go out to iworkforhim.com tonight and join the I Work For Him nation. Become part of the tidal wave of change in America. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. Our workplaces are mission field. And I Work For Him.